and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober young and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious, or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussion heard here is the experience of the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm Alex, and this week Sophie and I will be chatting about using the tools of recovery when we're struggling. How are you, Sophie? I'm good. I've actually had the magic uh, turnaround from I am very depressed to sun coming out. I'm like, oh, okay, not as depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it makes such a difference. Oh my God, honestly. I always struggle to take my dog out and today I've taken him out twice already and it's not even Amazing. three o'clock just because of the sunshine. Yeah, really helps. The the natural The natural serotonin booster Oh my God, 100%. It makes such a difference. Um, so just before we get into our conversation, just for a bit of context, Sophie, how old were you when you got sober and how long have you been sober? So I got sober at 30 and uh, I am almost 20 months. Oh, amazing. Congrats. One day at a time. I'm not saying oh, 20 yeah. months yet. It's still two days away. I'll be so 20 I've months uh... away. <laughs> no way, really? Yeah. Your birthday. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. My sobriety date is the day after my sister's birthday. Oh, nice. So to give you a bit of context about what my last drink was. (laughs) Must have been some last drink. Mine was not eventful. (laughs) No, honestly, mine wasn't either. It was, yeah, very low key. I feel like you hear more and more that people's last drink was not like the most dramatic. No, it's, yeah. Mine was honestly the kind of last drink where I felt... I have been drinking nonstop for the past couple of weeks. I think I'm just going to have this last one so my withdrawals aren't as bad as they have been for the past six months whenever I stopped for a day and be thrown into just pits of sweating and shaking and yeah. having uh, being anxious from anxious from head to toe. And yeah, that was my, my literal last drink just so I could go to sleep and not feel with withdrawals. Oh, my God. I so get it. I so, so, so get it. Um, so you, I mean, you just, you just went straight in there when I asked you how you were, which is amazing. Cause I think what I really want for this episode is for mm. you and I to share mm-hmm. very honestly and frankly, um, mm. about what happens when we struggle, because, um, as people will know, we haven't had an episode out for quite a long time. Um, And that's because there have been various crises hitting different members of the Young and Sober team over the last six months. Um, I won't speak for anyone else, but for me, that has looked like um, depression. I was signed off work for stress for a month. I've been back at work for a couple of weeks, but my mental health is still very much struggling. Um, And... yeah and rather than hiding and being like I can't possibly record an episode because I'm not positive in enough of a positive frame of mind I am now like do you know what no I think it's important to share while I'm still in the hole because I'm still in the hole but I'm not drinking and um you aren't either so do you do you just want to maybe you said you just come out of a depression. What what does that look like? Yeah, actually, when you when you messaged when you messaged me, I was also kind of in a bit of a hole. But you know, I've been told very early on that service keeps you sober, and this, in a way, is this is a form of service, though not a official service. Um, I thought, yeah, definitely, definitely should do it. I, 
my depression doesn't look too bad well you know it's it's depression so it's not <laughs> it's not all sunshine and rainbows but um most recently it's been it's been sort of thanks to certain medications fully fully non uh, non um mind altering medications if, unless you call it not being fully depressed <laughs> mind altering <laughs> Uh, thanks to my lovely SSRIs, I would. Oh, well, I did. I did wake up very late every morning. I would. I would really struggle getting out of bed, wanting to just sleep or be curled up in a fetal position and cry. But because I'm on SSRIs, I would still get up, and I had no motivation to do anything, and I did not see the point in doing anything. But thanks to SSRIs, I was still doing it, and it's it's always a really really bizarre feeling, like. How am I doing this? I'm still doing it. It's just you're an autopilot. You're kind of doing it. And actually, the thing that the program has given me is in the past, whenever I felt, whenever I felt not really myself, I've never been diagnosed with OCD, but God damn it, does the shoe fit? Um, and uh I I I never I never told anyone about anything that I was struggling with in a sense because I was drinking and because I was taking drugs, okay, I, I was a was a stand, standard London weekendly cocaine user, um, which I still don't know why. <laughs> Probably to keep me to keep me sort of lucid yeah. using air quotes yeah. while I was when I would when I was really drunk and keeping me from blacking out. Um, but I I always kind of struggled sharing about how I was feeling or I was using it as a almost an excuse but I wouldn't go into full detail because deep down I knew that some of the some of the issues that I was having were because of my drinking and I felt ashamed that I feel that way because I'm an alcoholic so obviously well I didn't know I was an alcoholic or I was denying that title to myself um but in sobriety now I actually I was able to share quite honestly through kind of through jokes with my manager and my co-workers that I wasn't feeling my best um and just sort of saying I'm I'm, I'm okay I, I'm still working my manager asked me if I wanted to maybe drop a couple of things or if, if I needed any help with work and I said no if anything I'd love more work so mm. I, <laughs> uh, as, a, as a distraction so it definitely feels very different uh for me now than it did in my drinking and like just th- that ability of being able to talk about how I feel honestly but not using it as an excuse for uh for not 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 not, not as an excuse but I definitely I'm a lot more in touch with myself and my internal world now. So yeah, it's quite quite a blessing of knowing like I'm not okay and that's okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I yeah, I identify with so much of that. I um I was on SSRIs for a long time, but I'm now on the lovely SNRIs. Yeah. Um we've talked about before obviously not on the podcast but you and I have talked about how um I've been told that my depression is treatment resistant which is just an interesting word to basically say that they don't know what's wrong with me and they can't fix it um (laughs) but you know I'm laughing as I say that but honestly when they told me I was devastated because it's it's yeah it's like being told that there's there's not there's not anything that they can do for you but Similarly to you, and I think for me, this is more down to 
the program down to my sponsor down to yeah just just people that I know in and out of recovery that that have had similar mental health experiences that I know that I I can't stop I can't sleep the day away I can't stay in bed because I know from my experience and from other people's experiences that that just makes it worse yeah it just makes it worse and I don't know what it is I think it's you know the years of recovery that I've got under my belt I think it's like you shared about being able to tell people how I'm feeling like I similarly to you have shared with work that I'm struggling and I've said the same thing as you which is I want to be here I think being at work is helpful because it's keeping me busy mm-hmm. and in my work I look after children so for me it's great because I'm thinking about them instead uh-huh. of thinking about myself um and also the hugs and stuff don't hurt but, <laughs> <laughs> it and also like you know things like they literally make me laugh every single day which definitely oh. but um yeah you know you you get up and you shower and you cook for yourself and um I I actually have a fractured foot at the moment which is a bit annoying oh, which means that I can't run which is what I would really like to be doing mm. um but I bought an exercise bike during lockdown which is now proving very useful, even though it's been a clothes horse for about a year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, has it been a clothes horse most of the time? It has, but now I'm finding it very useful because I can't run. I can't really do anything else. Oh, yeah. So it's really, it's it's been really helpful. And I think, I think the biggest thing that you shared that I think has been really powerful for me, especially this time round, has been being completely honest with, I think the right people, safe people, I think not with everybody, because not everybody needs to know the extent extent of what I'm struggling with. But um, with my boyfriend, with my parents, with my sponsor, um, in meetings and, you know, with friends who have the ability to hold what I'm going through without feeling responsible, because I know there are some people that want to fix Mm. um, and I try not to put put it on them but um to be able to say like guys I'm really really struggling I know I know what I need to do I know that this will pass but I just need you to know and maybe to just you know have in mind that maybe I might need somebody to message me and check in on me and see if I've like eaten that day or Mm. like have you left the house today or whatever and I mean I can do those things for myself but you know my boyfriend actually is is incredible and messages me just to be like hey have some breakfast or like (laughs) have some lunch or have you taken the dog out today (laughs) and he does it in such a gentle way that I don't feel like he's like getting at me Mm. um but I mean we've only been together seven months so this is all still very new and it's the first time I've ever been with somebody who actually shows their love in that way it's it's very new to me and very kind of slightly unsettling um but I'm getting used to it I'm getting used to letting somebody care if that makes sense um oh no it does yeah (laughs) I think I think just that honesty has been so powerful and it's you know I've had multiple burnouts in my recovery I've had multiple bouts of depression I've had you know panic attacks all all of the above but I think this time round 
the honesty, the absolute, complete and utter honesty with the people that love me has really, really, really helped because it's shown them what they can do for me and how they can help, you know? Um, What about you? How how has it been with your support system? Yeah, no, my, it's also it's also a lot about accountability, right? So, for example, when I first when I went to my first AA meeting, I texted three of my closest friends. My mom knew, uh, but because I was staying with her, but closest three of my closest friends to say, "Guess who just went to their first AA meeting?" Because I needed that accountability. I needed people to know so that they could keep so that I couldn't relapse almost, so that I had to keep on going at it. And um, I feel that when I'm feeling a bit caca, uh, I also <laughs> need that accountability for people to say like, well, have you done the things that you needed to do to feel better? And sometimes I don't even need for them to check. It's just knowing that they know uh, pushes me to do the things that I needed to do. Like you mentioned about running, yeah, exercise is a huge uh, part of my emotional well-being. Uh, physical well-being as well but uh, emotional well-being I'm definitely a little endorphin addict I, I I need those exercise endorphins I need to feel healthy and and well to feel emotionally well as well um and yeah with my with my support system I don't think that my best friend would let me slip into he's also he's also a member of this the searcher club well the <laughs> the antidepressant club so he's um uh we we do that thing where we ch- check in with uh, check in with each other he used to disappear for like three four days at a time um and so I always check in with always check in with him and uh he just doesn't really let me have a lot of time to not do anything and he knows that my life is really really busy but we always find time to always find time to do something together and it's always some and we're very sort of synced up on like the emotional on our emotional level um so he knows that when he's feeling down I'm probably feeling down as well so for the 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 Friday he planned a trip for us to go to Kent to St Andrew's Lakes for a little swim because we both love water and we knew there was going to be sunny so we did that we weren't allowed to go in the lakes because we didn't do a swimming induction (laughs) and uh, it's dangerous because it's water even though we both have been swimming in the open ocean since we were about two months old but couldn't go in the lakes Uh, um, but still the point is that is always there and just having that AA family as well um having the AA support network um has really changed because in in the past like a lot of the because AA people they know they know they know they know what I'm struggling with they can relate to what I'm struggling with but also they know that I'm sober so there are so so they can actually suggest the tools that they know will will work for someone who's in who's in recovery because sometimes I know all the right things that I need to do like when it comes to recovery I still go to meetings like it doesn't matter how I feel I still go to meetings I because I know that it doesn't matter what state I come come in in as soon as I'm in the meeting and people start talking and then I start talking I will feel better and it's the most annoying thing especially when you're trying to avoid like oh damn the suggestions work (laughs) (laughs) um and and I keep my I keep my I have a prayer journal so where I write down my my morning prayers my evening prayers my do my inventory in there and I write my gratitude lists there 
And so I've got, which is a tool that I got, which is a tip that I got from a fellow who, who does it. And it's been infinitely helpful, but sometimes I'll forget. Sometimes when I'm in my little self-pitying um, pit, I'll forget that, oh, I need to pray. Oh, I need to talk to my sponsor. I need to do those little, those little things that have sort of become as part of the like this solid fabric of of my life but at the same time I don't beat myself up for, for forgetting those things for putting them to the second layer because at the end of the day I was drinking for 15 years and I have been sober for 20 months so in the grand scheme of things uh, things I'm still very early in my recovery mm. so I haven't past that stage where I have been sober for longer than I have been drinking so it's okay it's okay to forget those little things and that's what those support networks are for mm. they're there to sometimes not even intentionally not even without being asked they will just mention how how they've dealt with a struggle in their life and you think oh I could do that yeah <laughs> that'd be helpful yeah it's there were a couple of things that you said that that kind of I think when when we can be vulnerable, it's actually just something that Brene Brown talks about all the time. I'm obsessed with her. And she talks about how when we're vulnerable, it lays the way for other people to be vulnerable too. Uh-huh. And I think that's something that AA does so well is like if you're in a meeting and the chair shares a struggle that they've been having or a, a painful feeling or whatever, I I find those chairs so much more powerful than the ones that are like all sunshine and rainbows and everything's perfect because if someone says everything's perfect I'm like oh my goodness I can't relate to that because my my recovery is not perfect (laughs) um and it's so beautiful when you hear someone share either as a chair or just a share in general in in a meeting and they talk about their struggles because we can identify with it and when we share that we're struggling first of all it shows shows people that we're struggling and they can potentially support us or help us or whatever um and you know in meetings I think it's important for all of us you know newcomers old timers whatever to know that recovery is not linear it doesn't always go upwards and you hear this time and time again but sometimes it takes a while for it to land Mm. Um, and when I'm in that kind of self-pity hole my head will say you've been sober for six years why are you still feeling this like why are you still struggling you should be you know feeling happy all the time but like it's just not realistic life doesn't stop just because we get sober and life doesn't life in general is not easy you know things happen and knock us off balance and you know for me the trigger for this for this depression I believe was was work stress and it kind of started as a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and I feel like now I've kind of crashed um but the other thing that you talked about which I loved so much was uh, that you were talking about being gentle to yourself and being kind with yourself and self-compassion has been such a huge tool in my recovery my sponsor is amazing with self-compassion and she she does a lot of inner child stuff so she Mm. um the other day I was I was feeling really really devastated about a friendship that had kind of come to come to a close come to an end um and I hadn't quite worked out that that was what I was upset about and I I was crying and crying and crying and she was just kind of saying like okay what age what age is the child that's feeling this stuff and I could picture myself at 15 
Mm -hmm. sitting on my bed at home feeling so rejected by people at school and um just just feeling devastated and alone and isolated and abandoned and all of the above um and she just said Alex what does that girl need what does she need and how can we give it to her um and it was amazing because I she just needed to know somebody loved her that's all she needed um and it was just really really powerful for me then to yeah just just say those words to myself to write them down um and just to have love so it's a love for myself and compassion for myself in in a time of struggle and I think that's been a really big part of my recovery has been about identifying how old the person is that is feeling you just blew my mind with that sorry I don't know if you saw my face there oh my god yeah how old is the child that's feeling these feelings yeah yeah powerful damn damn yeah that is exactly it (laughs) it's mad it's absolutely mad and it's it's been a real game changer for me so she my sponsor's been sober for like 16 years Mm -hmm. um but she only really started this inner child stuff with a therapist that she's been seeing for maybe like four years, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's been something that we've kind of learned yeah. together and grown with together and used together. Um, like she messaged me last night saying that she was struggling and I just said that I was sending her and her inner child a big hug. Um, and it's it's really powerful stuff. And one thing that she also encourages me to do is to write self-compassion letters. So... Um, I don't know about you, but some of the language that I speak to myself in is very derogatory and very aggressive and very, I put myself down a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I heard when I was in psychiatric hospital a few years ago was a therapist said to me, would you ever say any of those things to somebody that you love? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, of course not. So why is it okay for you to say it to yourself? Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind. And my I talked to my sponsor about it and she said okay well why don't you write a letter imagining that somebody you love is going through what you're going through what would you say to them so I wrote a letter and then she said okay read it read it back to yourself because yeah. that's what you need to be telling yourself um and it's it's so powerful I did one the other day actually last Sunday um and it yeah it, it's it's mind-blowing it really really is because it's it's so much for me about the language that I use to talk to myself keeps me in the hole because I'm not only feeling low and sad and whatever lonely or whatever I'm then also feeling angry with myself and guilty and all of the above and placing that compassion or that inner child work or whatever in place of that kind of self-flagellating just slowly and gently removes that element from the depression so like you said it's about being okay with being sad like you're allowed to be sad you're Mm. allowed to be struggling I love you it's okay like Mm. you know you you you've got this you you're not alone like all of that rather than being like why are you feeling that way you've got so much in your life feeling that awful (laughs) blah 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 um yeah so that that self-compassion that you talked about and just being gentle with yourself is just yeah so powerful so, really, so powerful. 
Yeah, it really is. And I was, was, when you were talking about the reasons why you went into your most recent hole, my most recent hole wasn't, wasn't that long. It was, it was, it was a time coming. It was a time coming and it didn't last all that long, but I, I just, I am doing the steps again and uh, I've done, I finished step five with my, and that brought on some, and that brought on some feelings. I realized that I was struggling to let go of some things, um, not necessarily resentments, just character defects, such. And uh, yeah, struggling to let go of certain things it was definitely a lot more thorough in this round than I was the first time. And um, and I was feeling a bit sad. And also it's coming up to my birthday, so I'm getting a bit of a birthday blues, which is ridiculous because... For years, I was convinced that I would not make it to 30. I would not live past 30. I would not make it to 30 or won't live past 30. And here I am turning 32 in two years. So it's incredible. It's a blessing. It's a miracle that I'm here. And yet I am still getting like the little birthday blues of, oh, but what have you done with your life? Got sober, got sober, started turning my life around. But, and I realized that, I was feeling quite, yeah, so I was quite, feeling quite sad and I realised it was a bit of a, like a, a sort of like a shattering moment that, oh, I don't deserve love. That's, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that I think that I don't deserve love because the narrative in my head right now still, um, I know, I know that it's a narrative in my head, but I don't deserve love. Mm that's just what it is there and and so now I'm thinking right how do we unpack this how do we get this through like do we go to another straight to another fellowship that we know deals with that sort of stuff or do we try to work work through it using the tools that we already have and the support network that we already have hmm but um and with these narratives like when you were talking about recovery not being linear not always going upwards i i felt that my recovery recovery was very much always going upwards like from the moment that i stopped stopped drinking from the moment that i you know started coming into the rooms and going into recovery it has been a pretty steady trajectory of going upwards but on in terms of actual recovery from alcohol and learning to be sober However, for like the longer we're in recovery, the more those layers of the onion are peeling, are being peeled away. So actually, every dip and 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 those layers are uncovering things that have been things that we never even realized were there, things that we were just completely suppressing and repressing and uh, drowning in alcohol. And as those things come out. They might be called dips in recovery, but I also feel like not dips in recovery, but but they could also just mean further growth. So yes, it's not linear and these things are being uncovered, but they are being uncovered because because our minds are clearer, because we are accessing things that we weren't able to access before because our recovery wasn't at a place where we were able to access it, we weren't ready for it, or we were just you know, before recovery, we were drinking. So yeah, what I hate the term what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but it is, <laughs> is a little bit of ah, oh, yes, the my higher power is actually bringing this up probably because they think that I can handle this now and um have to trust your higher power. Oh, I, I trust oh, that's the thing in those in those moments, just handing it over the okay, I trust you, you've not failed me before. 
you've always you've always brought me down the right, right path mm. so whenever I trusted you so I'm gonna try I'm gonna try really hard to do that I remember a fellow once said this and I, I've been I've been using it it's not it's not my term but I really loved it like I'll hand it over but there'll be claw marks in it yes Yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. But it's it's amazing actually. I love that you mentioned higher power because I think my higher power, my relationship with my higher power has once I felt like I had one, which I didn't really get until maybe year 2, year 3. Uh-huh. Um in a way that I could kind of feel it, I suppose. Uh-huh. I I I kind of had I paid lip service to a higher power, but I I yeah. hadn't felt yeah. the effect until that point in my recovery um and I do I have I have evidence you know lists and lists of evidence of of my higher powers hand in my life but I'm just gonna just give you a little one which was recent so that that day that I was having that conversation with my sponsor this was a week or two ago about you know feeling abandoned and alone and all of this kind of stuff um and I'd I'd had this group of friends in recovery they were also in recovery but for whatever reason it we had kind of parted ways and I felt like there were things that were unresolved but it it just wasn't it what just wasn't happening um and without even asking for it I got a message from a a girl who I actually have known since day one we got sober within a week of each other Oh. And we'd kind of parted ways about a year or two ago. Not, you know, it just it just happened. Yeah, nice. And happened. she messaged me and said, "Do you want to go to a meeting?" And we went to a meeting together, and it was amazing. And we've done it every Sunday since then. Um, when the, this would have been a while ago, this would have been maybe like three weeks ago, and we've gone every Sunday, and it's it's just been amazing. And it's been exactly when I've kind of felt like I've lost this lost this one friendship which I think needed needed to end Mm -hmm. this whole this 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 new one has come as this old one has come back and it's you know we've talked about what happened and how we parted ways and and we've both kind of taken accountability for our part in that and it's just it's just this beautiful beautiful thing and I feel like my high power was like okay this is gone but look what's here Look, Mm -hmm. look what's here like look what I've got for you um and I do really feel that with every my sponsor says it's it's not a breakdown it's a breakthrough and I hate it when she says that but she's right she's right she's completely right yeah um and something that was running through my mind when you were saying you know each time something comes up it's because you've reached a different stage in my recovery my mum talks about mental health she's not in recovery but Mm -hmm. I kind of apply it to recovery being like an upward spiral yeah like but shaped like a cone so Mm -hmm. every time it's a cyclical thing where you have like oh pain okay some time of pain okay something needs to change I'm going to make those changes oh I feel better but (laughs) each time each time the circle gets smaller and smaller so the recovery is quicker the realization that something needs to change is quicker and then the recovery that comes back from it is quicker and I do really feel that that's true like you know this this depression is not as low as say a depression in my second year of recovery was this ability to harness the tools and use the tools even though I feel awful is so much easier than it was in year one year two year three year four you know each year as it comes it's it's easier to keep going and it's easier to 
share honestly and it's easier to use those tools and I think for me it, it this won't be the case for everyone but for me with my mental health I know that depression is is going to be a factor for for potentially the rest of my life I don't know but you know for, for t some time and having recovery is just this incredible thing that means that unlike a lot of people who go through depression but don't have recovery I have this community I have these tools I have th this place where I can go and share every single day of the week if I need to and it it absolutely blows my mind because I think about people who have to do this without the AA community and I just oh my goodness I don't know how they do it no and I, did you know? Did you, did you notice? Actually, I only I only just realised it like five minutes ago. But when you're when you're struggling and you share about struggling, people rarely will sit down like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Are you okay? What can I do?" No, they just sort of like, "Oh my God, I felt this way too. Well, I'm feeling like this as well. I totally get it." It almost like not that it normalises feeling shit, but well, yeah, it does. It normalises it normalizes feeling how you're feeling and all of a sudden you realize that you don't need to necessarily feel sorry for yourself because people aren't pitying you they yeah. are supporting you and sometimes I will say oh shit yeah I felt that way and this is what I did and it helped me not saying it as a oh go for a run it'll make you feel better yeah. uh, this is a very crude example of it because you know I hate like exercise is not going to fix every like your mental health like, it's a good tool to use alongside other things but people are like have you just been out in the sun and have you been running you're just depressed because you haven't been running um no I'm depressed because probably because the chemistry in my brain is all messed up but um they they suggest without suggesting they support without pitying they identify without making it all about themselves and it's just be it's just beautiful it, like the, the community that we have in AA and it's it's not at all but we're social animals we were never meant to do anything completely alone because that's just not how evolution made us be made us be um we survived because we we survived the ice ages and we survived as most Neanderthals for whatever reasons. But we are social animals, so it's only natural that recovery comes to us so much easier and sticks so much better when we do it as a community on our own. Everyone's recovery is different, but as a part of the community. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, I wish we could keep going because I could talk about this forever. Um, but we do need to wrap up or else. Are we wrapping? Oh God, that flew by. <laughs> no, it's gone so quickly, hasn't it? Um, but it was, that was an amazing point at which to stop though. I love that. I feel like I just want that sound bite. Um, so on that note, actually, what is something that you are grateful for today? Well, actually, on the back of that, I am grateful for the I am grateful for the community. I am so, so grateful for fellowship. Um, I always write down 10 lists that I'm grateful for. But yeah, being sober and having a fellowship, having community have absolutely changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think I would also add to that for me. The that I'm not scared to share honestly anymore. I'm not scared mm -hmm. to tell people how I'm feeling. 
um to the point where sometimes like the group of people that I walk my dog with they'll like ask me how I am and I'll be like oh, oh. I'm struggling a little bit and they'll be like oh like they didn't expect me to actually tell them how I was feeling oh no normies <laughs> <laughs> but I think they've got used to it now we've been walking together for like four years so I think now they know um but it is it is quite funny it's very funny oh thank you so much sophie and thank you listeners for joining us we will be back soon with another episode please do like and subscribe if you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today we would love to hear from you so send us a message on instagram at young and sober podcast or email us at young and sober at outlook.com that is 